Greetings, happy Tuesday. It is a pop culture Tuesday here on the podcast. Thanks for tuning in here today on Westwood One. My name is Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me. We'd love it if you joined us as well. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E, and we just wrapped up production for our show today on CRTV for our CRTV subscribers. Let's give the audience a taste of what lies ahead for them. Todd, I'll start with you. Well, I'm fascinated by our discussion um, on the Masterpiece Cake Supreme Court ruling. Uh, because you mean the discussion we had reacting to correct the uh, full news cycle correct Correct. and how i i don't think none of us are in a disagreement about the particulars of the case the evidence brought in what they decided it on um but the degree to which we can find uh any hope at all i think just goes to show how rough these last few gender bending years have been in terms of how warped our overall sense of collective reality is and what we can possibly do about it i mean are we just basically the discussion is are are we are we living are there any mirrors in this house of mirrors that aren't the crazy clown mirrors that distort everything? Is there just one mirror that gives a reflection back of the good, the true, and the beautiful? We're, we are, you know, E. Ray Moore from South Carolina was instrumental in helping me early in my uh, career in national media. And, you know, he used to tell me when describing leadership in the conservative movement, but he was in this case speaking specifically of the Christian conservative movement, lions that are led by lambs. But this is true across the board. Where, where, where has been, I'm at the point, I don't even look at what Rand Paul and Ted Cruz and Mike Lee say anymore. Because they aren't empowered to do anything on what they say, right? They're, they're not in positions of leadership. They're not determining what does or does not come to the floor for legislation. Where were Republican congressional leaders responding to this yesterday? Where were they saying, and this is why we need to reaffirm the First Amendment protections. And the court showed the other side is going too far. Not to mention, this is their own base, their own, the Republican Party's own base. If the, if, if the Supreme Court of the United States had said that a, the Democratic Party, a key demo in the Democratic Party's base was unfairly targeted for what they believe, what would be the Democratic Party's response to that in the last 24 hours, do you think, Todd? Oh, hair on fire. What has been the Republican Party's response? Whatever the exact crickets. opposite of yeah, that crickets. is. Same re- By the way, it's the same response that would have been received had the court ruled the other way yesterday. They wouldn't have said a damn thing then either. Nothing. Because they don't care about you. You, you we have, and, that's, and this is why I'm getting more tolerant of people who are bending over backwards to give Trump the benefit of the doubt. I'm getting more tolerant of it because... 
as this I think will speak to the precarious situation we're in more than anything else. Right now, he's the only person in a position of leadership in the federal government who has any care whatsoever about representing your value system. And this is the guys we're going to talk about in a few minutes is perfectly fine blowing whole news cycles on useless skirmishes with NFL team. You know what I'm saying? You're dealing with someone who's who when when your champion is of a mercurial, capricious nature, like Mr. Trump. But I, I can see why there's people lining up. I can see why I get emails. So I voted for Cruz in the primary too, Steve, but I can see why I get that now to some extent. You know, just don't, don't, don't pee on me and tell me it's raining. Don't lie to me and I'll tolerate it. When you pee on me and tell me it's raining, I'm going to kind of, you know, I'm going to slap you around a little bit because I hate that crap. But I get why, man, you're coming up with every alternative before you say, I can't believe in this guy either. Because the only person in a position of leadership who can do something in the federal government, in elected office anyway, I mean, you have, you have Clarence Thomas on the Supreme Court, but half the conservative movement is so interested in making Neil Gorsuch out to be uh, Clarence freaking Darrow that they'll, 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 when, when they disagreed on the immigration bill last month, Clar- Clarence Thomas, man, was a, was, a, was a hack shill. And Neil Gorsuch got it perfectly right because that's where we are. We have to protect our fiefdoms, our factions, our seats at the table, our donor lists. And so you got a bunch of Christian political groups out there emailing our audience, telling them we had some great victory. We, the First Amendment was preserved. It wasn't even a consideration in the case yesterday. And so this makes it very difficult when we're led by a bunch of groups who want to profit off of what they believe in, and that's their first motivation, to profit off of this, raise money off it. You know, and if, there's a reason why your, your college football coach on signing day never walks to the podium and says, guys, this recruiting class blows and they'll be getting my ass fired in two to three years. No one ever says that. There's a reason why your NFL general manager, when the draft is over, never comes to the podium and says, man, the board really didn't fall the way we had hoped. And I got, I'm kind of hoping these guys work out. I had to reach for a few. Nobody ever says that. You ever heard that? No. No. What do you think season ticket sales do if the coach says that on signing day or after the draft? What happens? Not good. Not enough Viagra in the world to bring that one back up. No way. Done. Done. You're, you're a George Costanza riff on shrinkage. That's what your season ticket base is if you, do, if you tell them the truth. So everybody just lies. And that's what these groups do too. Grandma Moses ain't sending you 20 bucks for, well, you know, they, they said we were a protected class, but they didn't really entertain the core of our argument. So, you know, we got to stay vigilant. Grandma Moses down in Dothan, Alabama doesn't send you 20 bucks from her, from her retirement account. Social Security check for that. But Grandma Moses opens up the cookie jar if you tell her Trump is God's anointed and he saved the First Amendment for us. God bless him. And if without Neil Gorsuch, we only would have won this thing six to three. Don't open it up for that. See, that's true. That's where we are. We have to, we, we, we have to lie to each other, we think. And right now, the only guy that will actually lift a finger to do anything is a guy that on any given day, at any given moment, you really don't know where he's at on anything. And the Republican leadership, you know where they're at on everything, and that is not with you and not for you. That's where they're at. And so we're stuck. We, we can't take advantage of opportunities like this. I can't. Unless Trump acts. That's a difficult place to be.
that's where we are right now. Disagree with that? Not a bit of it. Not a bit. Aaron. On on the same subject, uh, and that conversation with, with Joe Koss on the CR Roundtable, uh, reacting to reactions from yesterday's Supreme Court decision is uh, definitely must, must watch. A lot of passion, a lot of, a lot of tentacles to this conversation. Really at the heart of this, I think I figured out why I'm so frustrated and why I'm so um, incredibly pessimistic about any sort of hope coming or deriving from yesterday's decision. And um, during the five minutes in, in, in between when we finished taping the TV show and started this podcast, I think I figured out why. We're, we're staring progressivism right in the face. Previous generations, we would have to go across an ocean to fight a war to preserve our liberty. In the past couple, two, three generations, the, the, the creep of Marxism, of progressivism, has been slow but steady and surely. We are seeing the fruits of it right now because we are trapped. Even if there is an opening to exploit from yesterday, whether it's through Congress or some other means, we are trapped because we're having the left's argument mm -hmm. about intersectionality, about pitting one group of people mm -hmm. against another. So one, and maybe this is hopeful, enjoy your freedom right now. And I don't mean that enjoy it while you have it. Appreciate it. Enjoy it. Thank God for it. Seriously. I'm not being, I'm not being pie in the sky with that. On the other hand, understand, understand that this argument was had in the past. I'm going to let you make the determination on who won that. This argument this uh, about who and where our rights come from, that was won by somebody. And I don't think you'll like the answer, which again, this, the tentacles of this conversation touch everything in our lives, in our culture. And the only way to overcome this and to win a resounding victory is to change hearts and minds. We have to be, again, to use your phrase, Steve, we have to be in evangelism mode. And again, I'm making this, I'm looking at, I'm taking a narrow uh, ruling yesterday, and I'm making an existential point out of it, but I don't think it's a miss. This, we are staring again, progressivism right in the eyes. This is where they wanted to go. We are there. They were maybe set back a little bit yesterday, but this is where we are at. Well, if you want to watch that debate roundtable conversation we had today on Conservative Review on CRTV, crtv.com, promo code DACE is how you can watch just a quarter a day. If you're not yet a subscriber to CRTV, use my name, D-E-A-C-E. -E. Use my last name, DACE, as a promo code when you go to subscribe to crtv.com, and you're going to get our show every single show. We just uh, announced today we're adding a show with Eric Erickson, the original founder of Red State, as well. So we continue to add to our programming line up here every uh, almost seems every day certainly about every month at crtv and the price is the same a quarter a day uh you can't beat that crtv.com promo code dace just a quarter a day for you to subscribe to crtv all right let's get to it pop culture tuesday and we look at the intersection of pop culture 
and politics from a conservative standpoint on this podcast each week. And last night, we had another front open up in the NFL anthem war and the role Trump has played in that process, etc. I want to make stake a couple of markers before we get into the latest front, just to make sure we all agree on where we are heading into this conversation. I have been, before the president even began commenting on it, I was writing columns and doing commentary, criticizing these protests and the leftist ruination of sports in general. We all we all agree to that. Yep. Yes. Okay. Um, and I've gone out of my way to be fair. You know, I've, when I've read stories about how much money Colin Kaepernick has donated to political causes he agrees with, I have shared that information so that, again, we don't... To me, the truth is good on its own. When I've got the truth on my side, I don't need to make straw man arguments. I can appreciate things about the other side of the argument that I find notable laudable even if i don't agree with their argument on any level whatsoever so i you know colin kaepernick is more than just the, a straw man i don't think he's right i think he's gre- egregiously wrong but but he has done actions to show he's very serious about this on some level i do agree it's it's not the primary reason why he's not in the nfl but on some level, his political positions are why he's not in the NFL. It might be the second reason, might be the ninth reason. But it is, it's a factor for why teams have decided your talent ability isn't worth the grief to profit ratio. And yet, he hasn't come down from his posture at all. He's been willing to suffer some extent for what he believes. I respect that as a, in a fellow combatant. I don't agree with anything he says on most things. Even if you think you're making a legitimate political point, you can't tell your customers what their opinion of what you're doing is. They tell you. They're the customer. And that's, to me, what's been more offensive for the league than even the protests, is this idea that you're not allowed to disagree with them. And, and we're not protesting during the anthem while we're protesting during the anthem. See, they're insulting people. It make, makes it even worse. So I know we've covered all this ground a million times. I'm only restating it because even though it probably won't work, there's a segment of you that cannot get outside of your campaign 2016 mode. All right. You, you, you can't get outside of your myopic uh, lens. And so I want to make sure everybody remembers where I'm at and remain on this going in. Trump is not, the NFL is wrong. I said it last summer. They are, they've, they're, they're not the ones debating, they're, they're not debating Trump, they're debating America. What Trump is, is the, is the political opportunist who sees an opening to take advantage of it, and he's blown it way up. But the NFL was having problems with these protests before Trump even spoke to him. So we all good there. Yep. Yep. So with that disclaimer aired, I want to ask, because I think, I think it is important for us to resist the temptation to set up rival internment camps, rival echo chambers, rival bubbles, rival 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 circles of self pleasure of mutual self pleasuring to to compete with the other side's 
circles of mutual self-pleasuring, bubbles, echo chambers. Um, and, you know, I, I want us to avoid... You know what? You're shibboleth of the damned. I don't, I don't like the pastel it's painted. I'm going to go build my own over here. I'm more into primary colors. I would rather have a platinum golden calf than a gold. <laughs> yes. I'm not, you know what? Calves are so last year. Calves are out. Golden squirrels in. Yeah. All right. I, I'm, I want us as best we can to avoid that. This horse, this horse has so left the barn. This podcast is already over, isn't it? Yes. Have a nice Tuesday, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. But do tell. But we can't thank you enough for the six of you still listening now. Yeah. All right, and four of you are looking up. What's a shibboleth? <laughs> okay. I think it's important. One way to avoid this, to becoming that which we hate, is a willingness to self-critique and self-assess. Okay. We have talked ad nauseum, and I think correctly, about the left's overreaching on these cultural flashpoints and how it's blowing up in their face. And one primary example we're seeing in our culture are these NFL anthem protests. TV ratings were down 17% last year, while attendance for the league at stadiums was across the board went up. Now, there's other issues, cord cutting and everything else, but... There were two different polls, one of them done by J.D. JD Ryder, which is considered one of the big customer service firms in America, that found the number one reason people stopped watching the NFL last year were these anthem protests. Now, among the five issues listed, it was number one, but it was at like 23%, and number two was like at 21%. So it wasn't like this was, it was number one by all by itself. It was, it was number one, but, but number one in a systemic slate of issues. But still, this is not a time to be giving your customers objections to not buying your product when they're already contemplating they have other options. But I think we need to ask, after what's happened the last 24 hours, where the White House is now giving us a side of the story that they frankly should have given us last night if it's true. Because originally the White House just said, we're canceling on the Eagles and they're not coming. And now, now they're giving us more details. Now they're telling us that the Eagles have changed, the Super Bowl champion Eagles, changed the number of players, what was it, three different times that were going to actually come in to visit, that they thought they were trying to embarrass the White House. I, I, they should have said all these things last night. Because here's what happened. They set off another cultural flashpoint, but this one kind of blew up in their face. Fox News last night ran a clip of Eagles players kneeling. Except what they didn't tell you is none of these were instances of them kneeling during the National Anthem because no players on the Philadelphia Eagles last year knelt during the National Anthem. They didn't do any of the kneel protests. The head coach of the Eagles, both the star quarterbacks, the one who was almost NFL MVP and got hurt, then the guy that was the MVP of the Super Bowl, are both vocal born-again Christians. Zach Ertz, who caught the game-winning touchdown pass, another born-again Christian. We heard more shout-outs to Jesus at this Super Bowl than we've probably seen since the last time Kurt Warner won one. And yet these guys, as a team, collectively, were being kind of labeled as uh, protesters, kneelers. Those kneeling videos, the shots you saw on Fox last night, were team prayers that had taken place either well before or well after the National Anthem. 
And Fox admitted today earlier that 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 story they ran about this last night was fake and they had to apologize for the footage they showed. So the question I want us to ponder. We've noted all of the times the left has overreached and the reverb the re, uh, the, that it's caused. Is it? Just as possible, we on the right can overreach as well. Are we at a point that every win now is a Pyrrhic victory? Meaning, there's just too many people in positions of influence and power that it's in their vested interest, either ideologically or monetarily, to just drive the wedge into the ground as far as they can. That there is nothing left now but mutually assured destruction. And the, we on the right are in a position now where we either let the left have total control or to stand up to them means... It's a nuclear exchange, mutually assured destruction. You, you've, you, only, you, you lost by playing the game. You cannot win. And are we at the point now that we're just going to ruin everything that brought us together as Americans in times of trouble, in times of tragedy, in times of division, we're going to take all of the things that used to be our, our safe spaces and set-asides and we're just going to nuke them all. Because we have just made the decision we have to hate them as much as they hate us and there's no other way to win. They're, they're, trying to rise above this is weakness given where we are. And so America is Stalingrad, winner of 41. We are now just scorching earth. We're, we're going we're gonna to burn all the cattle. And yeah, we might starve, but the Nazi soldiers invading our homeland here, they're going to starve too. And that's what, that's what pop culture in America is now. It's just Stalingrad. Nothing's off limits. You know, I'm, I'm binge watching this past season of Flash with my kids because they asked me not to watch it separately, but to wait until May when they all come on Netflix so we could binge watch it together. And I said, okay. And a couple of the CW shows, we don't have them watch. They're more adult. Um, much more flamboyantly gay. But we got to the crossover episode of, that they do on CW every year with all their superhero shows, and the kids wanted to watch it. So I said, I will agree to it, but I get the clicker when it comes time to have to fast forward and buy some things. I said, okay. The amount of same-sex physical activity I had to fast forward through in just these three episodes... There was at least four instances of dudes making out.
And are we at the point now where if that's where we're going to go with this, then just fire up the Metallica, kill them all. And that's all we, that's what we do. We, there's no way we can live together anymore. So it's my wasteland or yours. And that's what will be left. It will be a barren wasteland, but at least it'll be mine. Is there no other way to, 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 to fight this now? Are we left with no other alternative? On a day when the, when the Miss America pageant, I haven't watched a beauty pageant, guys, since I was like in college, okay? The only clips I've seen of beauty pageants since college was uh, Maps Girl, you know? Well, the people of Iraq should have maps. That's, that's like the only beauty pageant thing, <laughs> a clip I've seen in 20 years. But now we're going to have a beauty pageant, and and I don't, I don't, I think you can, if you want to say we don't need to have them essentially wearing, you know, lingerie and swimsuits out there. Okay, I guess I get that, right? But now we're going to say we're going to have a beauty pageant. We're not going to judge them by their beauty at all. Well, how do you have a beauty pageant if we're not judging them by their beauty? If beauty doesn't matter, then why do all these makeup companies make all this money every year? This doesn't make any sense to me. But, it, but this is another area where a lot of Americans, particularly people on our side, are saying, and you know what? Flamethrow it. I don't care. Even if it means there's literally nothing of Americana left for our kids when we're done. We feel like we are being left with no alternative. You know what you're describing? What's that? The Middle East. That's hmm. just a bunch of factions, a bunch of tribes, if you will, um, just duking it out perpetually. What you're describing, now this is not necessarily germane to the Middle East analogy, but what you're describing is civil war. That's yeah. what we're living in. Yep. Without, without guns, without RPGs, you're describing civil war. So if, you're, if we're not there, I want to let you finish your point, of course, but if we're not there now, we are going to head there very very quickly which Todd had looked up really fast and he's like yeah we're there because <laughs> we it's true we are I've used the civil war analogy many many times uh, before I uh, absolutely agree which is why almost the brief armistice uh, Steve you're, you're calling it a, 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 um, uh, a stay of execution you know a brief Waving of the white flag, a stay of armistice, armistice concerning this uh, uh, masterpiece cakes decision, where uh, the, the 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 gunshots have stopped firing for a second. And like, wait, the, yeah, the, we just looked at the rules of war here, and uh, we actually found a page that it seems like we, we, we don't understand. Uh, we might have to review this. Uh, if we go ahead, we might destroy ourselves. It 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 might last a day. I, I don't know. Uh, but we, Aaron's exactly right. We are in the middle of a civil war. We are. It's a fantastic analogy to to call us uh, uh, the Middle East. And yeah, and to your point, Steve. Yeah, rhetorically, emotionally, psychologically, we are volleying uh, RPGs uh, out of Gaza and into Gaza and vice versa every single day. That's that's what Twitter is. Uh, that that's what. Uh, talk news is um we and we might ultimately you you made the analogy yesterday about you know what when it comes time uh that they're going to take 
all that you love, uh, you bet it's God-ordained uh, that you fight uh, uh, to protect it. And does any one of us think that I, I just want, is it today? Is it tomorrow? So America... I, I, Let's separate that because you're right. I bring that. I brought up that, but that was in the context of my own kids. Okay. That, yeah. Now we're talking. I'm. I'm t- for the pop culture podcast. I'm speaking explicitly and specifically about Americana. Mm-hmm. Okay. Americana. Is that gone? Yeah. Yes. I mean, which is not to say that it can't have a, a revival but yes it's okay gone. how would it have a revival well the way we talk about on the time ret- return to the worldview and we talk about the civil war the decades after the civil war were brutal in america yeah we had jim crow we refought it actually we refought it for several the next several decades yes just by, we fought it at ballot boxes. We fought it with poll taxes. Uh, we fought it with separate but equal. We fought it with Jim Crow. I mean, we 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 fought that thing probably we, on one front. All it ended in 1865. We fought it almost an entire another century on various other fronts, all the way to Brown versus Board of Education in 19 what was that 1954? Then you had Orville Faubus in Arkansas and. Uh, George Wallace, in, 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 who was Bill Clinton's mentor, and George Wallace in Alabama. Now we're in, now we're almost a hundred years later into the 1960s, and there's a, a lot of Americans that still believe we didn't win the Civil War. We're still having we're still the same racist country where we, we were then. So what what was settled? What we what what did we what did we do other than kill a lot of our fellow countrymen in the Civil War? What did we really do? Because there's a there there is a whole bunch, particularly your generation, Aaron. Who think this is 1857 still? Yeah. Who think this is a? I mean, yep. there's a the number one driving force, political force on the left is intersectionality, which is driven by the premise of grievanced classes that are disadvantaged and taken advantage of, and the higher you're suffering, the higher you score on our chart. So you know, we at Appomattox was April of 1865. Given that we're having a lot of the same arguments now, we were having then, what did we really win? Well, there's nothing new under the sun. I mean, it's undeniable that, I mean, the the, the nation... Now, that's not what I say is I think we won quite a bit. Yeah. But there's a lot, there's millions of Americans right now that don't agree with that. That think that this is the, this is a country of racial in, in, oppression and intolerance, and you know we just talked to Colin Kaepernick. Man, is turning has is, has forsaken a career, a lucrative career in the NFL, to score a, an to score points for an argument we think can be easily deconstructed and defeated. Mm-hmm. And just to be just to be fair, I mean. We've talked about this before, but um, to, to some extent, people in my generation uh, might have grandparents who were alive at a time when there was still a lot of right. uh, uh, racial strife. But to say that this is a 1857 and to think that, and I totally agree that there are people who who believe that, is is totally... Yeah. Just a few weeks ago, we were talking about Kanye West getting attacked yeah. at the TMZ offices yeah. for telling people it's not 1620 yeah. and we're not jumping off slave yeah. ships anymore. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I know. Here's what I think. The, you've talked 
regularly, gone at length, done entire shows about this is the only nation to be founded on what? A creed. A creed. That's, a, that's Chesterton's observation that, Chesterton. that I'm plagiarizing. Yes. At, even in our darkest of hours, at, at our base, and there were there were there are always charlatans and manipulators, but writ large, people believed that they had to be accountable on some level of depth to that creed, faith, family, freedom, how it is highlighted in the founding of uh, this nation, why people came over, then the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. What is fundamentally different now is that the the enemies at the gates are the people within this country. They don't believe that they need to be accountable to that. In fact, I they agree. are trying to overturn it. You're they exactly are revolting right. against it. And yep. that wasn't even the case of the South. You're right. You're 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 right about that. I go to the Cold War. The argument against Reagan upping the ante, directly confronting the Soviet Union. Really the first time a president had done that post-World War II. I mean, directly taking them on. And we were told this was going to create nuclear war. He would provoke the Soviets. But he he was making an educated intellectual gamble that if we fought them on multiple fronts, not just militaristically, we're just going to build enough MX missiles and a, and a, and a, a, a skyborne defense system. But if we took the West, if Helmut Kohl got the economy in West Germany going right across the wall, if Margaret Thatcher in the UK got the British economy going, if the leader of the largest church body in the world essentially who come from one of the most communist ravaged nations in the world. If he lent the moral authority to undermine their claims of equality and all their propaganda, but would blow, but would use the power of his papacy to blow up their propaganda. If we essentially blitzkrieged them, yes. we hit them economically, militaristically, and spiritually, they would collapse, yes. right? That was the plan. Yes. Reagan was the plan was Reagan that's where peace through strength comes from. Yes. The idea that we are they're less likely to stand up to us if they think they could lose, right? Okay. Where do you see evidence? Where do you, and 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 Reagan by the way wasn't a sage or a prophet. There's a reason why a lot of this came to a head with Gorbachev because Gorbachev began unilaterally putting out the notion I'm a younger different generation he instituted perestroika openness on his own there was some signs that at the very least they had to modernize now we didn't think they were ready to collapse like they just suddenly did that summer day in 1991 but we thought we at least they at least tipped their hand a little bit that the the days of Brezhnev paper mache tanks to go down Main Street of Red Square on May Day, they couldn't, they couldn't handle that anymore. They were going to have to, at the very least, become more like China and economically modernize and join more of the modern age. 
right? So Reagan didn't just, he wasn't just have, he didn't have some divine revelation. He made a moral calculus based on some of the evidence that the Soviets themselves had presented. I throw that out there as an, as, as an example to say this. Where do we see evidence that those who are driving the argument that you just articulated have any level of self-awareness, any level of restraint, any level of willingness and accommodation to come to this realization, no one can win this. No one wins. Everybody loses. Where do you see that? I don't, and that's, that's why I always say progressivism is cancer. Yes. They are progressive utopians. So, they will never realize that. So knowing this, we have to know our enemy. Yes. I guess what I'm kind of trying to say is, are we, do we truly understand what the cost of confronting them on that level is going to be? Do we? There, there, there will be no Appomattox. This is, this is, these are the Canaanites. They're not going to convert to worshiping Jehovah. That's not going to happen. Do, you know, so, <laughs> I just, if you're gonna, if it, requ- if it requires war on that level, in a way, I kind of think we need to assess that as you saw the Supreme Court kind of do yesterday. Where it said, eh, let's let's just make sure before we sign off on this, because it's escalated far quicker than we thought it was going to. For example, we didn't think we would have to be the one. We were Hezekiah. The prophet comes to Hezekiah and says to him, here's all the bad stuff that's going to happen to your countrymen. And he's like, is that going to happen when I'm king? No, then not my problem, right? They kind of thought the rainbow jihad might do this 25, 30 years from now when none of them would still be on the court. Right, Elena Kagan thinks she was actually going to have to watch an active per- people taking her ruling on Obergefell and issuing a fatwa against the Christian church with it. She kind of thought that, that that'd be a hot potato to drop in somebody else's lap. Well, now it's that's her normal now. It would be her statue staring over all of yes, that taking place, yes, not her actual. Yes, while well, they did it in her name. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I think maybe we, are we sure? And I, if, it, if there's no other alternative, I'm okay with it actually. What I'm not okay with, though, is going there before we're sure there's no alternative. There's no other tactical way to isolate this faction of leftism from the rest of the mainstream. There's, there's, because I just want us to understand, if you truly mean it, the president is 70 years old and a billionaire. He's not going to live through the next... 25 years of the fallout of this guys he's wealthy enough that if he was 50 years old he'd be immune to it but it does but he's not 50 he's not living another 20 years anyway probably he's not gonna he's not gonna have to dig through the rubble us and our kids are and i just think we need to make sure and I think what happened in the last 24 hours with Fox running the fake news and the whole thing with the Eagles, are we sure there's no other way to win this other than Stalingrad? I don't. There may not be. 
But just like the Supreme Court said yesterday, are we sure there's no other way to do this other than we're just going to openly persecute Christians? We're not comfortable with that. You can't find another way to, to, to get the dignity. Anthony Kennedy was saying that yesterday. There's no other way for the state to ensure the dignity you seek as homosexuals other than openly persecuting Christians. That's basically what he was saying yesterday. I think it would behoove us to contemplate the same question. Is there any other way? Because the way this ends is mushroom clouds, rubble, Stalingrad, not a happy place. That's where we're going. Mutual assured, assured destruction. And when we're done, here's your trophy, a wasteland. But it's your wasteland, so, you know, enjoy your potter's field. Am I making a valid point, do you guys think? I think so. And I, I know you're making the, the analogy of Stalingrad. And I go back, even for the pop culture, I go back to and flesh out the analogy of the Middle East, where they have been fighting over what is a wasteland for the most part for generation mm-hmm. after generation after generation. They have left their kids nothing, generation after generation after generation. There are various factions in the Middle East, some more powerful than others, some less hostile to um, to you and, and any notion of liberty than others. But the overwhelming and dominant worldview and dominant decision-making is done through what? Through Islam. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it is some variety to some degree of um, Islamism. That's different than, you know, radical Islam. I should just say radical Islam. That is, I think, a picture in a real world way of what we're going through right now in culture. You know, where we see we see the bitter fruit of, of what's happened in the Middle East after generations of this. The same type of thing is going to happen to to our culture if we continue down this road. There are different factions of, of culture in Americana that are less hostile, maybe not hostile at all still, to notions of freedom and liberty. But the dominant worldview is that of progressivism. And so it may be that if we're going to have this fight, it is going to be with our nukes pointed against yours. And what's going to be left at the end is a whole lot of confusion and a whole lot of chaos and not a whole lot of actual good, productive, and um, just healthy culture at any level. It's, it's, it, is, it is the picture that you just painted. It is... Um, it is just nothingness it is destruction well until the zero hour comes uh one thing we all must do in our personal lives and in our professional lives and we've talked about doing this more on this show and maybe it's something we should reconsider again is uh, going out of our way uh and and this is a scriptural admonition uh to sow seeds of hope and peace wherever you can have conversations sit in fellowship 
uh, not necessarily talking about politics, but also talking about politics and doing mostly listening, get people to see you and yours in as human a light as possible. Engage them that way so they just can't turn you uh, into a cardboard cutout. But it is my experience having worked in left-dominated industries and educational circles all of my life until I started working on this show that that is very, very challenging try as you might we must try nonetheless dave rubin a guy right now who is as popular as anybody else. good example yes openly gay guy openly right gay liberal guy. intellectual yes. who is essentially having the same conversation we're having yes, exactly. from the other side yes which is what was the he's essentially saying what was the point for me fighting to be recognized yes for, for regardless of my sexuality only to turn america into a vast dystopian yeah. wasteland of, a, of of no oppression of 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 no free thought if that was the price right what was the that's the conversation i'm kind of having from yeah, my absolutely. worldview right now and Dave, he defended the ruling yesterday. He says, it's your business. Do what you want with it. We have a right to go, uh, go there or not. We should not be dictating what's going on at businesses. But he has people on his show all the time. He uh, he, he asks them politely after they've been done ripping on him uh, on Twitter. Well, come on. Let's talk about this uh, for an hour. Go out of your way to have the conversation. Because when the time comes... And the conversation cannot be had anymore. I, I love a scene in a movie. I don't think it got great uh, uh, um, reviews or was uh, um, really appreciated much. But uh, Will Smith, I Am Legend, the apocalypse movie where he's the, the last man living on Earth. Mm-hmm. And the last scene there, uh, he's got one of the zombies locked behind uh Glass, and he's been trying to find. He's a scientist. He's been trying to find the cure for this thing, and he cannot find it. And he's also starting to lose his mind because he's been alone for so long. And he's basically talking to this thing. Why? Why won't you let me do it? And you just feel his level of despair because he knows what's next. And then he pulls the pin on the grenade. Boom. That's why. We must, as conservatives, Republicans, Christians, this whole ball of wax, we must fight progressivism with close to our dying breath to engage them as much as is possible. Because the alternative is what Steve has, if uh, if not just hinting at, uh, simply flat out uh, said, you know, do, do we not need to make sure it is worth making sure having those uncomfortable conversations uh listening a lot giving people a chance to if to uh to see you as a fellow man that they'd rather choose to ultimately agree to disagree with rather than destroy um because they also see in your eyes that you're looking for that same level of you know it's it's just can we not call a permanent timeout on this? Can we can we go back and love our weekends with our kids and not then return on Mondays to annihilating each other? There's, I still find glimmers of hope, like I did in that judicial decision, that are worth fighting for. Because as I've told you before, Steve, and I know I'm uh, running a little long. I have that conversation with people overtly. Uh, I and I wonder how much more I need to have. This is I tell them this is why you want to take our guns. Because 
you, you keep pushing us and pushing and pushing us. And right now, you are the liberal that you know uh, we, we enjoy. We have beers together. We get together. But how long will that go, Steve? How long will you allow me to sit here uh, with you and have this conversation without being scarlet laddered? And I'm not going to let you just wink and nod at me while you take my kids away from me, while you put them in the corner, while you take my business. Sooner or later, I will not just sit there mm-hmm. and continue to share uh, beers and pleasantries with you while I know you're lying to me. So... Let's talk and reason this out and find a place where we can coexist because otherwise I'm going to bring it and you're going to have to suffer the consequences alone for that. Well, we look forward to your feedback on this one. Steve at SteveDace.com is how you can email us, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. If you've had, uh, if you've got some extra time, please click subscribe on whatever platform you access our podcast for Westwood, Westwood One each day. The more of you that do that, the more that helps us to reach more people who see that our, our audience is growing, and a lot of you have done that already, so thank you. Leave us a positive review if you have time to do that. Again, a lot of you have done that too, and we thank you in advance uh, for that as well. Back at it again tomorrow. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. I like it, you.